WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. The Michigan Public Service Commission has approved Indiana-Michigan Power's plan to build its largest solar farm to date. INM spokesperson Tracy Warner tells us the company will own and operate the Lake Trout Solar Plant near Montpelier, Indiana, which will serve both Indiana and Michigan. This is the largest solar plant for INM, and not only INM, but for our parent company as well, uh, American Electric Power. Uh, it's 245 megawatts, and it will be capable of powering up to 73,500 homes. It'll be connected to the power grid that serves both Michigan and Indiana. Warner says the Lake Trout Solar Plant will play a role in fulfilling the company's integrated resource plan, which was previously filed with the MPSC. It'll also help INM reach its goal to have net zero carbon emissions by 2045. The company is continually adding to its emissions-free facilities. Not including this one, there are five solar power plants now. We buy wind power from the four Hoosier plants. We have the six hydroelectric plants. And, of course, the Cook Nuclear Plant in Bridgman, which can power up to a million and a half homes, is carbon emission-free. The MPSC has previously approved plans for three additional northern Indiana solar power plants, including a May Apple in Pulaski County and the Elkhart County plant. Meanwhile, the facilities have also been approved by the Indiana Utility Regulatory Commission. Warner says uh, the company aims to get Lake Trout Solar Plant operating by 2026. As the year comes to a close, Governor Gretchen Whitmer has been highlighting the things that her administration and the Michigan legislature were able to accomplish in 2023. Speaking on social media just ahead of Christmas, Whitmer recounted achievements to the cadence of the night before Christmas. She turned to the economy. Michigan's economy has been on the rise with job growth and investments reaching new highs. Innovation and mobility, electric and autonomous cars. Michigan's expertise in this field is taking us far. Women are also focused on health care issues like the Reproductive Health Act. For education, she said the free breakfast and lunch to all public school students, free pre-K education and higher per-pupil spending were accomplishments. The legislative successes of Democrats in 2023 may be harder to repeat in the new year, though, as they will lose their majority in the state house at least until April. That's when special elections will be held to replace a handful of Democrats who have stepped down for new positions. Lakeshore Public Schools says that Stewart Elementary School will be getting a new principal. Current principal Samantha Lantis is stepping down effective January 2nd. She's leaving to seek other opportunities. The district has announced the appointment of Carol Fetke as the interim principal, also effective January 2nd. Fetke was previously the principal of Waterville's North Elementary School. Lakeshore Superintendent Greg Eating says the district's, quote, incredibly grateful for Principal Lantis's leadership and her unwavering commitments to our students and community. The district says a comprehensive search process will begin in February to identify and attract a permanent replacement for Lantis. The Michigan Department of Treasury is inviting everyone to help support the Fostering Futures Scholarship Trust Fund. Post-secondary financial planning director Robin Lott tells us the program provides college scholarships to students who have been in the foster system. That basically raises funds to help those students or youth who've aged out of the foster care system and are now in college. Most in all of our, basically all of our proceeds go toward helping those youth stay in college and graduate. Lott says a lot of students coming out of the foster system face barriers to college. We find that about 70 to 75 percent of youth who've aged out of the foster care system have expressed a desire to go on 
someone with a higher education of some type. doesn't have to be college, could be anything that's post-secondary. But only about 10% of those students actually pursue or actually enroll in college. And few of them graduate. Lott says that's why Fostering Futures also provides them with support services on campus. More than 10,000 young people are in the Michigan foster care system run by the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. And each year, Fostering Futures helps around 400 of those who age out to attend college. You can help support the program with an online donation, and we'll have a link at our website. Since 2012, fundraising efforts have totaled around $1.3 million, all of which has been awarded as scholarships. Eastside Connections School in Niles has been recognized by the Michigan Department of Education as a reward school for high academic achievements. Niles Community School says the distinction is based on several state indicators of success. It says over the past 10 school years, Eastside Connections has yielded higher enrollment and strong student growth and achievement data. Principal Joe Racht says the school was, quote, developed into an amazing place for students, staff, and families. He adds the Michigan Department of Education School Index report shows Eastside Connections is among the top of statewide school rankings, attributing it to the work of teachers, supportive district efforts, and committed families. Gas prices in Michigan started out the week just one cent higher per gallon from a week earlier. AAA Michigan's Adrian Woodland tells us the Christmas travel period did cause prices to move around. We saw a spike in prices heading into the holiday weekend last week, and then over the weekend, it started to kind of level out, and that's why we're only up one penny compared to this time last week. Woodland says drivers are paying an average of $44 for a full 15-gallon tank of gas. That's about $34 less from 2022's highest price, which was last June. Most of this year, we've been in about a $1 range with the high that we saw over the summer. It was about $3.92 a gallon. And of course, now we're at about $2.96. Heading into New Year's, Woodland says you can expect some fluctuations as people come home from Christmas travel and people prepare to head out for the new year. As of today, the most expensive gas in the state could be found in Ann Arbor, while the cheapest gas could be found in Grand Rapids, Flint, and Benton Harbor. And Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel is wrapping up her 2023 holiday consumer scam campaign with a reminder that everyone can now access free weekly credit reports from each of the three main credit reporting agencies. Nessel says the free weekly credit report program was started in 2020 after the pandemic put many people's finances in dire straits. The program became permanent earlier this year. With scams rampant, especially this time of year, Nessel says staying alert is the best way to protect yourself so you can take action quickly when fraud is suspected. The Michigan Department of Attorney General kicked off the annual scam awareness campaign this year with the launch of a new standalone consumer protection website, which people can search to learn about the latest scams and make sure charities are legitimate. We'll have a link to the site and a link to the annual credit report at our website. WSJM News now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News now continues. U.S. forces carried out multiple airstrikes on Iran-backed militant sites in Iraq. The Pentagon says President Biden ordered the strikes in response to militant attacks on U.S. forces as recently as Christmas Day. ABC's Justin Finch has more from Washington. The Pentagon says since the start of the Israel-Hamas war, there have been more than 100 attacks on U.S. and coalition troops in Iraq and Syria. U.S. Central Command says there were no signs the U.S.'s retaliatory strikes impacted civilians. Mourners and some Iraqi officials condemning the U.S.'s actions. The Iraqi government says at least one militant was killed and more than a dozen others injured. The Israeli military says it's expanded its ground offensive in the Gaza Strip to the densely populated urban refugee camps in the central part of the territory. 
Residents reported shelling and airstrikes, shaking at various camps. The built-up town told Palestinians whose families fled or were driven from their homes. The camps are now crowded with Palestinians who fled northern Gaza in the early stages of Israel's ground offensive. Meanwhile, Gaza's main telecom provider announced another complete interruption of services. A top advisor to Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, meanwhile, is at the White House today for some high-level talks. More from ABC's J.E. O'Brien at the White House. The key advisor, Ron Dermer, who's the Minister for Strategic Affairs in Netanyahu's government in Israel, he's a close advisor of the Israeli Prime Ministers. He is meeting this afternoon, administration officials say, with Secretary of State Antony Blinken here at the White House, as well as National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. It comes at a crucial inflection point. The U.S. has long sought for somewhat of a cooling off of Israel's campaign in Gaza and more of a precision campaign there. Gaza's more than 54,500 war wounded include a growing number of amputees who face hard choices and challenges as they try to survive in a war zone. Health officials say overwhelmed hospitals that now lack vascular surgeons at times had to amputate limbs, which in normal times could have been saved. In other cases, the severe nature of the injuries meant some limbs were not salvageable and needed to be removed as soon as possible to prevent death from blood poisoning. One of the new amputees, a 22-year-old university student, lost her lower left leg after she developed sepsis from a traumatic injury that she suffered during an airstrike. Biden administration officials will meet with Mexico's president tomorrow and urge that nation to work harder to stop the surge of migrants at the southern U.S. border. More from ABC's Andy Field on the expectations of the meeting. Mexico's president admitting there's a price tag for keeping more migrants from crossing from Mexico to the U.S. President Obrador saying he wants the U.S. to send more development aid to migrants' home countries, giving them an incentive to stay where they are rather than making the dangerous trip through Mexico to the U.S. Mexico also wants the Biden administration to reduce sanctions against Cuba and Venezuela to make living conditions better in those nations. MasterCard Spending Plus said today that holiday sales rose this year. The indicator, which tracks all kinds of payments, including cash and debit cards, found sales from the beginning of November through Christmas Eve climbed 3.1%. That's a slower pace than the 7.6% increase from a year earlier. The sales growth this year was a bit lower than the 3.7% increase that MasterCard Spending Plus had expected back in September. The data released today excludes the automotive industry and is not adjusted for inflation. However, it indicates consumer spending remained resilient during the critical shopping season, even as shoppers deal with still stubborn inflation in some areas, as well as other financial worries. Over the holiday weekend, former President Donald Trump's legal team filed a court appeal arguing that he should be immune from prosecution in the federal election interference case against him. More from ABC's Aaron Katursky. Lawyers for former President Trump telling an appeals court in Washington, D.C. the indictment from special counsel Jack Smith is unlawful and unconstitutional. Whether baselessly claiming the election was fraudulent, pressuring state officials to change votes or urging supporters to march to the Capitol on January 6th, Trump's attorneys argue every action in the indictment was part of his official duty as president. And they said in a late-night filing over the holiday weekend, the judicial branch cannot sit in judgment over a president's official acts. Britain is one of the world's oldest democracies, but some worry that essential rights and freedoms are under threat there. They point to restrictions on protest imposed by the conservative government that have seen environmental activists jailed for peaceful but disruptive actions. The government says it's stopping extremist activists from hurting the economy and disrupting daily life. Critics say it's an example of how Britain's civil rights are being eroded with too little scrutiny from the country's elected representatives and not enough protection from the courts. Some say Britain's unwritten constitution does not offer enough protection from politicians to push the limits of what's allowed. 
And it was a big opening for a classic revival at the box office this weekend. Or if maybe he's Jason Nathanson. A very Merry Christmas for The Color Purple. There's gonna be some changes made. The musical reboot opened $18.1 million on Monday, the second best Christmas Day opening of all time, not adjusted for inflation. 2009's Sherlock Holmes holds the record with $24.6 million. The Color Purple, starring Fantasia Barino, Taraji P. Henson, and Daniel Brooks, also earned a coveted A Cinema score from audiences. And on Rotten Tomatoes, 89% of critics and 94% of moviegoers praised the film. Jason Athenson, ABC News, Hollywood.